Hey, this is Higher Peaks. This podcast is supported by our listeners on Patreon. There you can become a patron with options of bonus content, including behind-the-scenes posts, messages, pics, shorts, raw, unedited content, and even full episodes. You can influence future shows, have voting power, get exclusive rewards, and have patron-only giveaways. Become a patron now, and until April 30th on the Organ Love tier or higher, you receive a free pack of our private Crosses seed stock. See full details on our page at patreon.com slash organ rooted. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Organ Rooted. I'm Higher Peaks. And this is Lady Sativa. You're listening to The Dirt Show. Where we bring you organs, cannabis, culture. Welcome to The Dirt Show. I'm Higher Peaks. And this is Lady Sativa. All right, everybody out there, I hope you're staying healthy. We have no COVID here. Has anybody been coming in sick at all? Have you even noticed anything like no, that? Just they're allergies? Not, they're not supposed to. If you're sick, you're not supposed to be going well, into places. I know, but some people have allergies. Not that I've noticed. No. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, we've been working in the grow, basically, uh, in our plot Mm-hmm. <laughs> coming a long ways. Uh, so our seeds have popped. You know that. We've talked about that already. We've got like 40 seeds that are seedlings, I should say. Lots of stuff. You coming. know, we should have a lot more than that. But damn, I left a couple trays out in the sun. <laughs> he wanted without... to see how they would cook. It was my first stress test. What are you talking about? He was he was checking to see how they would fry. I was seeing the drought tolerance of a brand new popped seed. Seeing if it was like a regular egg. <laughs> You know, because hey, they pop out of seed. Half of them passed. So those are probably going to be the trout tolerant Those are the ones. strong ones. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, I ruined some decent The other ones. Seeds. You shall not pass. <laughs> well, I, d- I did ruin a, a few. Um, I don't even know if JBs are going to come up. So I'm going to have to run the other half of the pack, which I'm really, it's, it's devastating. But I got to admit to the failures. Um, also part of that though, was due to the shitty dirt. We tried to get seedling mix and it didn't end up being seedling mix. And so, I mean, I'm like planting like little seedlings in stones and sticks. Yep. God, I was really pissed to be honest. Yeah. But we'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. Um, (laughs) especially when you ask specifically for a seedling mix. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but you know, whatever. We got way more seeds, so I've, I, right when I, that had happened a few days ago, I started popping more seeds, which I was gonna anyway. But I just mm-hmm. popped them sooner. I'm like, screw this, throw it out. Right. So we got we got way more coming in behind him, which I won't do that again. You know, here's the thing: I, I switched to the trays because we were doing a lot this year, just trying to pheno hunt, if you will, the mm-hmm. best we can. And so I'm trying to pop a lot of beans. Doesn't mean they're all going to make it, of course, but trying to pop a lot. And you know, I don't. I'm not going to throw. I didn't want to have to throw out that many peat pots, which is what I prefer to use. But honestly, I'm going right back to it. I tried those trays, and I just don't like them. I I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> 
Maybe I'm just an idiot, but I like the peat pots, the little peat uh, pellets. Those seem to work really well, especially for seeds. And I like the size and I like how much water they hold. And then you can go right into whatever. So yeah, dummy me. Convenient. Dummy me. Uh, <laughs> that's what we're doing. And I'm adding the SLF 100 and the Mammoth P right off the bat. Very, very light. Like I'm talking maybe anywhere between half to three quarters of a mil. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or more like I'd say a mil per gallon of both right now. So very light, but I'm starting it out right from the beginning. And I think the first set of sittings I've started on the Kigro, I believe at like one mil per gallon as well. So nice. really light there. With that said, this episode, we, I want to change up a little bit. Uh, we've been talking up until last episode, we've been talking a lot of cannabis and I, I want to, you know, well, last episode we talked about, uh, of course, uh, mushrooms with Jason, mm-hmm. but I wanted to do this episode uh, with me and you because we've had a lot of questions, emails come in. And I think a lot of them focus around these basics and general things about psychedelics that we can do in one or two episodes. Warning, this may be a two-parter. It, it's kind of looking like that because I don't, I, I hate doing like two-hour episodes because people get, right. you know, come on. So if we have to split it up, we will. But we want to address uh, one email, answer that, and then do this whole segment. I'm calling it the components of a psychedelic experience. So kind of a little analytical aspect of an experience. Mm -hmm. And we had enough experience to be able to have some validity in what we say. Right. For the most part. I'm not saying. This is all subjective. No, No, this is all subjective. And I'll put a warning out there before we start. But I want to talk about that. That's the the bulk of it. But I want to start out by talking about dosages and what we've experienced. Mm -hmm. And then also stepping into it, um, the best way for the most positive trip which relates to the email. So we're going to get away from the news this time and get away from the interview this time as right. well and right. and go forward with this because I think it's going to, like I said, answer a bunch of different questions. Uh, let's start out with a question from the listener, though. We'll call him Jordan. That was assumptive, wasn't it? Him, her. We'll call them Jordan. We'll call them Jordan. Sorry about that. Uh, and they say, hello, I have been enjoying your podcast for a couple weeks now. I was listening to episode 59 about your psilocybin experience around five grams. You had mentioned it's not the right dosage for beginners, but you also mentioned you have worked through your experiences, i.e. alcohol, that gave you the confidence to take such a high dosage. I was wondering if you could describe how you worked through the trauma of, you know, of a hard life, say, or hard life experiences to ensure these wouldn't be brought up during your trip. So let's start with dosage first. From the literature that's available online, and from my experience, and I'm assuming yours because you've been there with me, that like anything from a gram down is microdosing. Anything over a gram, you're starting to teeter the line of, is it going to really start affecting me psychoactively? Uh, And again, this is where it becomes subjective. So like I said, anything under a gram is generally a micro dose and you can have different programs. And, you know, that's something we'll talk about on a different episode as far as that kind of a program. It usually relates to a few days on, a few days off or a long, you know, a month or two on. And then, you know, according breaks with macro dosing, which is what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Uh, that really starts out at about one and a half or two grams. Wouldn't, right. you, wouldn't you say? It can. Yeah. Okay. So let me start with this. First of all, here's here's the the disclaimer. First of all, everything is subjective. This is not scientific. 
I w- it is research based. So I've done a lot of research, uh, on other people's, um, feedback and stuff, not stories, just actual subjective feedback. Right. Also to, uh, looked at different scientific things, which will be mentioned, but, but nothing heavy aside from that. There's no facts here. There's no, I can't prove none of this. This is all from my head. So take it with a grain of salt. You know, this is just information for you to add to your repertoire of information and then use it with what you want. Do your own research, bottom line. Uh, With that said, be safe. Follow your local state, city laws, please. State laws, world laws, whatever. Tell you, be safe. And that that, I guess that's the first thing Mm -hmm. is is just be safe and don't break any laws for us, especially. We're not liable. I don't think we have a makes, choice. Make smart it's federally decisions. illegal. Yeah, exactly. So keep that in mind. Now, it uh, doesn't mean we agree with that, by the way. We don't no. agree with those laws. No, but, but caution. So, Throw now, caution into the wind. So back to the dosage. So I'm I'm going to say anywhere between a, maybe a gram and a half and more, you're going to start getting into the, the psychoactive portion. Now, that could be anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, that could be anything that we're going to talk about here soon. Once you get past like two grams and above, I'm going to say that you start getting into the realm of actually not just changes, like maybe a little bit of body high or you feel a little bit different or whatever. You, you actually start stepping into like maybe uh, things that will definitely let you know that you're starting to get high. And again, we'll talk about those things in a minute. Once you hit about two and a half or three grams, uh, then depending on your, you know, chemistry, your body size, how you break it down, all that stuff, you could start stepping into actually getting into dosages that could be what people would call maybe bad trips or, uh, just they're more intense. They're more stimulating. And you actually start crossing that line where you're like, Whoa, this is something more than just, you know, smoking a bull, so to Mm -hmm. speak type high. Wouldn't you agree with all this so far? Yeah. Okay. And then, so for me, three to three and a half grams is really where you step into the psychedelic side of things, side of things, the real psychedelic side of things, where you actually step into this, how I describe as a different kind of a world. You um, can start getting visuals. It just, and, and right. of course, this is different for everybody. This mm-hmm. is, this is roundabout guidelines. for you. Guidelines. Yeah. But anything above two or two and a half grams, I would definitely consider being prepared for. Yes, you would need to prepare for some sort of psychedelic experience. Experience, especially if you're a beginner. Um, And so be prepared. And when we say that, that goes back to that set and setting, which again we'll talk here in a minute. So three, three and a half grams. Now, when I've taken an eighth, we'll call it an eighth. When I've taken eights, that's really where I kind of began and where I stayed for a long time, for a few years. And eights worked really well. The thing is, is for me, and I'm assuming for you too, each trip is pretty much different. Mm -hmm. And then each trip has different, like they're common things that other people experience, but it's always different. And so I, every time I've taken an eighth, you would think that it would be a similar experience and it's really not. It's different every time. So I can't say that an eighth is the same. But not all mushrooms are the same, just like not all weed is the same. So it's like you might get cubensis, but it might not be the same as the person that you bought before. Sure. Well, and there's so many factors to strength, just like in cannabis. Mm -hmm. So uh, with mushrooms right now, it's really hard, at least for me, to be able to tell, hey, this is, you know, top shelf, $14 gram 
mushrooms, you know, or whatever. Yeah, we're not, we don't, we're not that seasoned. <laughs> they all look the same to me. But so each eighth will be different, but I still would say that an eighth, you can definitely count on having an experience that's going to be at least the starting of the profound part and also stimulating enough to where that could be really good or really bad. So with that said, now you know, people, that, you know, anything below that, you're going to get some stuff going on, but it's probably going to be, for most people, going to be tolerable. Maybe some lightweights out there that'll get a little freaked out at a couple grams. Right. But that, again, that goes back to your brain power. How, how strong are you in your brain? And that's something you need to look at is really how strong are you in general in life? Do you break down easy? Do you, are you controlled emotionally really easily? Uh, do you, are you depressed in general? You know, you got to look at all those things. Mm -hmm. All Which, those things get amplified. I am very emotionally led, but I can still, it's very. Well, it's, so how strong is your mind when it comes to controlling those things? So even if you're emotionally driven and you can fluctuate your emotions tremendously, how in control are you when it comes down to the nitty gritty? Mm -hmm. We'll debate, you know, we'll like be a partial factor in how well you're able to control if you start to sidetrack, you know, so to speak. I can control my mind pretty good, so. Yeah, yeah. And you'll learn this, <laughs> you know, you'll learn it quickly, especially at an eighth and higher. So if you start out light, start out under an eighth. And like I said, you can feel pretty safe. Be at home, keep your set and setting tight and enjoy. I, I wouldn't expect anything profound though. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, again, though, when you hit that eighth, I've had eights where I've actually saw colors, no geometry, but really bright, colorful colors, closed eyed that's what led me into taking quarters. I'm like, oh, shit, what am I missing? I can handle this. And so that at that point, that's when I started stepping into five, six, seven grams. Granted, I think one of my first times from eight stepping up, I literally just went into seven grams, I think. Yeah, you just said, fuck it, jumped right in. Yeah, and again, <laughs> just like an eighth, you can go really, really good or really south. Um, and it's amplified both ways. And again, at a quarter, I've had both. I've had what people call bad trips. I look back on it and I won't have those anymore, I don't think, unless I allow myself to on purpose. Right. But but looking back, they weren't really bad trips. I just really wasn't in control of a lot of things probably in my regular life mm -hmm. at the time as well. Right. So to prepare, what do you think? I think that, you know, set and setting, I think that, we, and we've talked about this, you want to make sure you're in a good spot emotionally mm -hmm. you don't want to be um like some people like to do it to to get rid of their depression and stuff like that but i don't advise it like after losing a parent or somebody that's close to you or An even animal, a pet, pet yeah. um yeah because you don't want to be in that scenario even a custody battle you want to watch out for those um <laughs> Anything stressful, really, you know, if you just got in a car wreck or... Overly stressful. It, something that you might even have pushed back in your mind, but it is really something that should make anybody traumatized. It most likely, if you, no matter how strong you think you are at the time, it may break you down and and make you realize that you hurt a lot more for that thing than... Well, and that's the thing too, and this is a point to mention that Jason did, is that, you know, taking psychedelics, they have a way of bringing up suppressed thoughts, mm -hmm. suppressed memories, and things that you do don't necessarily want to think about in sobriety. Right. So, so when your wall goes down, then, you know, those things creep out. They can take over in your thought process while you're tripping and become a loop. But that is one thing that I remember that Mike had said at one point that he said that there is no bad trips. 
you can call them whatever you want to call them, bad trips, not. But uh, here's what I think is I think those are more healing trips. If those, you allow that, sure. If it, well, no matter what, if you allow it or not, it, even if it it's hurts gonna, you during <laughs> the whole thing and you feel that it's a, a bad trip, when you come out of it, it may be a healing process. Yes. You're not going to die. No. But you might not be happy in the moment. And you might really be freaking out in the moment, but you can come out of it. You just got to know how to do it, such as flip the light on, get, you know, you can make your, you can control your mind if you make yourself get serious. Well, um, and, and, and that's the thing. I want people to know that, that, I mean, unless you're in some godly amount of psychedelic, like some hu- superhuman a dosage and you don't have practice and such, there are simple things that s- will snap you out of it. Now, don't get me wrong. You can still be inebriated. Yeah, you'll still have some but, symptoms, but, but it'll you, snap you out of that but bad But like, part. if you're getting visuals open-eyed, you can blink your eyes a couple times and, and stop that stuff. Or like you said, you can, if you're kind of in a darker room, because um, a lot of times closed-eye visuals come first and also visuals open-eyed in dark rooms mm-hmm. come first. So if you turn on lights, keep your eyes open, move around, get your brain working on something else, try a video game, right. read a book, Turn on music. Turn on a movie. Turn on a movie. But remember. Watch the movie that you're watching. Or music. Anything that you're going to bring in the stimulus is going to have to be, for you, individually peaceful. See, for me, music is really is really moving. So it's like that's one thing that you would need to be careful of. Because yeah. music can really, it can open up things for me that you know, I didn't know that I had held there. That's just like, oh shit, this was a song from a bad time. There you go. And I don't realize it until then, but music is really powerful for me. So that is one of my things. Movies would probably be one of my go-tos, but it's like everybody has a different muse that would get them to calm down. Sure. I just think that in general, be careful because what you enjoy sober is not what you're going to necessarily enjoy under psychedelics. And it could be random. I've listened to very calm music that's got me really agitated. And I've listened to really upbeat music that's got me agitated. So it doesn't seem like there's a correlation like, oh, well, I want to keep the vibes peaceful. So I'm going to listen to some Yanni or something. No, that, yeah, no. that doesn't necessarily work. No. It's it's your vibe. It, it's whatever your vibe is, is will depend on what the music or movie mm-hmm. or like you, you like, you like the hell out of uh, Harry Potter. I found it almost too much because I couldn't, at the time, I couldn't discern between like what was real and what wasn't. Mm-hmm. That's the Goblet that, of Fire. You yeah, really it, didn't like that one. Well, and it wasn't that it was bad. It no, just, it's it was frustrating because was I couldn't tell. Too much stimulation for you. Yeah. But, and keep that in mind though. So I, I think there are kind of basically two different kinds of quote unquote bad trips. One is suppressed memories and, and things you got to work on, personal lessons that, that will happen. And then on the other side, there's just overstimulation. Mm-hmm. And when you step in past three and a half grams, I'm you know four grams, five grams, six grams. I'm going to tell you, you start to push that envelope of overstimulation. So working your way up there is probably a, I would say would be a good idea because you know me jumping into that quarter that really could have put me in a, either a seriously bad trip or a seriously mm-hmm. good trip. Fortunate enough for me. I have enough control over, I've had good practice with anxiety. So I have enough control over my anxiety at that level. I, I don't have those. Like a quarter won't throw me into a major, massive down spiral, especially at this point. But working your way up, I think, you know, you're going to get more and more stimulated. There was a point, and, and keep this in mind, 
this, this all comes to mind when I'm talking about it is that when you mix cannabis with mushrooms or psychedelics, that, that can be your friend or it can be your foe. And again, don't even get into that until you've had some experience with psychedelics. Right. I will tell you this though, cannabis can be great used properly with psychedelics, especially mushrooms. But one of my most intense times on mushrooms is I took a quarter of Cubensis and then at the peak of that high, when I was peaking high on the you visions and stuff, take a hit. I smoke a bowl. Basically, it was probably a hit. It was probably a good hit, though. You know, like one of those mind ringer hits. And man, it, shit went really weird for about five minutes where I couldn't, you know, like it was like being really, really drunk, seeing really strong tracers and not being able to really put things together. So that was a little intense. Like, I felt like I was not losing control of motor function, but everybody's been that drunk where you're stumbling around right. really bad. You're still in control, so to speak, right. but you just, it's not very pretty. <laughs> and so that was a little intense. But um, aside from that, I've never had any, anything past that on a quarter. Right. But I think when you step in those higher doses, that's what you get into is overstimulation. Because by that time, if you're taking quarters, you've probably worked out some shit already. Mm -hmm. I don't think you can work out shit very fast in the low dosages, though. Like no. when you're getting into micro doses or two grams, two and a half grams, you might even feel it, get a body high, which I think that's what happens a lot in those lower dosages is just a nice body high. But you're not trying to control anything at that point, though. But you're so not you're not matter. learning lessons. You're not really going inward at that point i think no those i think are more for depression or yeah treatments of yeah treatments sure. of things or microdosing in the sense that you know you get heightened awareness and stuff like that better moods and and there's some benefits there i've i've not tried yet so mm -hmm. but I, okay so that gives you kind of an example there i guess and my only thing to say about working through that is to just do it don't jump in at a quarter but but take your three grams or whatever and uh have your set and setting mm-hmm and if, if certain things come up, I don't care. Sit in the corner and cry for an hour. The trip's like six, so. I've done it. I've done that. <laughs> That's the inward journey. And, mm -hmm. and, and especially if you take mushrooms. I didn't feel it so much with acid or LSD. But with mushrooms, it's just an internal journey. Like we've sat there and just laid for three, four hours right next to each other. Mm -hmm. Doing some crazy shit in our heads. Barely talking. Mm -hmm. You kept touching me because i was making colors yeah yeah so but we'll talk about that that's what's next so now that we've got the dosages and and you know kind of an idea of of what to expect if it if you're starting to feel like you're going south and also the kind of things that can come up let's talk about the actual experience itself i'm going to attempt to break down the visual effects contained within the psychedelic experience into some simple easy to understand titles descriptions and, and some sort of leveling system this will be done without depending on any kind of adjectives metaphors analogies or i mean i'm going to add my personal trips in you can always add yours in oh <laughs> we'll we'll do descriptions and i'll give you examples if i can this is basically a how it's universally reported the effects and a lot of these are consistently felt by most, if not all users that I'm aware of. Mm -hmm. So the first category of visual effects can be classified as an overall enhancement of vision. 
This is consistently reported at the lowest levels of psychedelic experience. It can be generally defined as an overall increase in the level of visual input attributed to the external environment that a person experiences. So there's three different things to that. One is the increased visual acuity. A lot of times I, I hear, especially with LSD, that your visual acuity seems to be more detailed. I know that when you start getting geometry, that the geometry is incredibly detailed. I believe that when you were having your experience with the insane asylum, mm -hmm. was that pretty detailed? Mm -hmm. So the level of detail seems to be bumped up quite a bit. Uh, also to keep in mind that this one really affects me when it comes to, like we talked about at five grams, my acuity becomes to where I can see through my whole field of view in it. The increased visual acuity also includes your peripheral vision, basically saying that you're able to take in your whole field of view at once, mm -hmm. not just like when you're sober and you can only focus on the area directly where you're gazing. Right. That happens a lot to me with these video games, which I think is where I'm trying to say my focus is, is better. But I think really I'm just able to take in the whole picture at once. Right. And not just the little center of Which is field. your focus. You're just. Sure. Yeah. Your whole, everything is focused. <laughs> yeah. And then enhancement of color at lower levels, lower dosages, you're going to see brighter colors. They're going to be richer, redder green, or redder greens. <laughs> redder greens and yellow purples. <laughs> well, that happens too. Uh, redder reds, greener greens, yellow yellers, yellow yellers. Yellow yellers. Uh, this is a big one at lower dosages, enhanced pattern recognition. So you'll see patterns, you know, you'll see faces and things. You'll look at clouds and we do that normally. You know, you look at a cloud and it'll be, you know, you can pick out it's a turtle, it's a frog, whatever. Could I be. do that all the time. Right. Well, this, this starts getting ramped up at low dosages. On the dragon comes alive. I wouldn't say I'm talking low dosages. <laughs> You'll start picking out more and more patterns that you, you normally wouldn't think or, or even discern when you're sober. And I, I do notice that anytime you view an everyday object, you'll, you'll see uh, some sort of fantastical object out of it. This will happen a lot in low light situations with mushrooms. I remember one time I took a quarter and I was sitting out front of my house. Actually, it was my mom's house at the time. Didn't want to go in high. So I took the quarter out in the car and I was sitting there starting to peek out in the car and these I, th I think I told you this, these pack of like feral dogs came running down the street, of course, right. in the middle of the city, right? Only happens when you're tripping. They come running by and they all looked like evil, like wolves. They were werewolves. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. But I think that's part of what they're saying. You just here saw is, the Medford werewolves. <laughs> uh, another time I took an eighth, I saw a cat jump up onto a fence. This is out at night and I took the eighth and I saw a cat jump up on a fence and it had like, it grew these long ears kind of you just see weird things out of it was a cheshire <laughs> whatever all right all right now on to magnification now magnification is basically uh being able to see objects in a high level of detail across greater distances and scientifically speaking i kind of looked into this but there's really no it seems like it's impossible for the human eye to have any kind of magnification powers like this. Uh, so they actually think that your brain, interesting enough, will create its own image, if mm -hmm. you will. And just it's enhanced image based on what you see, essentially a, a fake image. Right. It's like a digital zoom, literally, <laughs> where the zoom portion is not real. It's not manual. It's a digital image. It's just being blown up. The pixels right. are being blown up. So that was interesting. And that then is. 
And then next, uh, distortions. Now, that's a second category of visual effects with psychedelics. These can be generally described as changes in perception attributed to the external environment that are always obviously grounded in reality. There's six components to that. One is visual drifting. Visual drifting can actually, basically your objects and scenery appear progressively warped and morphed across the visual field. I don't know if I've ever seen that. Have you where it just kind of blended out as you've stared at it? Not blended out, but kind of making its own pattern or doing its own thing. I have seen. Yeah. And there's four levels of intensity to that. The first one is peripheral. Um, It's the most basic form of distortion described as wiggling of straight lines. Now, interesting enough, I have seen this. Yeah. Where I've seen straight lines where they do get that wavy pattern. I attribute that kind of to the breathing sensation you get of walls and stuff sometimes like on LSD, but it's not the same. Uh, So I think here is more accurate. It's... uh, it's just distortions of, of straight lines. It's not like off of that movie, uh, Midsommar, where the flowers were actually breathing. <laughs> right. From Which the I mushroom think is, trip. Yeah, I think that's a higher dosage you have <laughs> to have. That's definitely a higher <laughs> dosage. Uh, and then you have direct distortions. <clears throat> the other ones are peripheral. Just keep that in mind that... You'll have peripheral distortions. Then you'll have direct line of sight, which is mm-hmm. the next one. That's the uh, where you look directly at it. Yep. And then you have the distinct. This is the level of which distortions become visually powerful enough to drastically alter and transform the shape of specific objects within the external environment. A good example of that is looking in the mirror. Right. And having your face like warp out. It to, will distort. Yes. Which and it looks fucking weird. It does. Now, I think for beginners, that can be a little... It can be a little scary. Yeah. Well, and actually, um, keep in mind with this, uh, psychedelics have a, a way of making you very vulnerable. I've tried to say this before. Mm-hmm. What I mean by that is, well, one level of that vulnerability is self-consciousness. Mm-hmm. And one of the first things I noticed when I was taking eights in the past is that when I would be in a group of people, not in my favorite setting, when I would get, because with eights, you can get those distortions, those change of faces. And when I'd be in groups of people doing that, I don't think that was smart at the time because their distorted faces sometimes wouldn't look so nice. Right. Like it wouldn't be specific, like they'd turn into demons or something. They're all going to laugh at you. Right. But their faces would distort to the point of like just crazy weirdness. And it, it makes you self-conscious. Right. Like, you know, it's just, it's a very conscious thing. And so I think that's part of what can be a bad trip is that you're so vulnerable and so self-conscious that you kind of need to let that go. And it really is the feeling of, remember when you first smoked weed and you got that paranoid feeling? Yeah, Similar to that, where it's not paranoia as much as it's just like, whoa, fuck, are people looking at me? And is is my face distorting the same way? And are they seeing this too? It's all weird shit like that. That's why sometimes it is better to be by yourself or with someone that you trust, um, such as when we went out um, and was doing it out at the park, that Mm -hmm. it was easier to just like, we were over by the ice skating rink. And I just, I told you, I'm like, okay, this is too much time, time to walk away. There was just too many people in not too little of an area, just there was too many people and it was just not my vibe at that moment. I'm just like, I got to go. Absolutely. And that goes back to, and we didn't mention this, so I apologize, is that having a shaman or whatever you want to call it, babysitter, friend, I don't care what it is. Don't make it a bunch of people. 
a no. bunch of people aren't going to babysit you. No. Make it one person, even if it's just the two of you in your set and setting, get in your safe spot, lock your door, put your pillows up, get your little uh, glow sticks or whatever the hell you want to play with and have your buddy there that can keep things legit the first few times mm -hmm. or at least the first at time. At least somebody that knows that has done it even themselves. It doesn't have to be somebody that's not going to do it and just sit there and watch you the whole time because no. I believe that would be trippy. It's going to be somebody be that does it with you. But it's always nice though to, if you start getting, like if you take an eighth and you start feeling things that are a little bit intense for you because you're beginning, mm -hmm. referring to a friend at that point, I think is a much better option than being completely alone and being like, what the fuck's going on? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because I'd rather be a little self-conscious with my friend or at least my most trusted friend than I would being alone and being like, I don't know what the fuck to do now, but right. call 911. Right. <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. Way more trouble there. Yes. <laughs> Way more bills. So like, yeah. So just to mention that shamanism is good. Have a good friend, family, whatever. Don't make it a lot of people make it one person and, and do it in the most safest spot in your in your in your safe places. Yeah. All encompassing on the distortion and that is at the highest level of dosage and that's part of the visual drifting um the intensity is powerful enough distort not just specific objects beyond recognition but every single point of a person's vision and the entirety of the external environment and it's all now that's intense. Distort just got to point that out. You said to snort. No, I didn't. Prove it. <laughs> I'll edit that out. So yes, at the higher levels, believe me, uh, you can go from completely just closed eye visuals. It, you can go to the point of you're not escaping anything. You're enveloped. A lot of times with DMT, and in fact, most times with DMT, if you actually get high on DMT, you are going to go in what a lot of people describe as a bubble. Because whatever you're inside of is completely completely engulfed all 360 degrees in distort complete you know hallucinations as they say i wouldn't know <laughs> that no, pen's still yet. sitting in there untried that's the next on the list we got a couple of peach rings in there waiting for us too yeah i tried that still haven't tried the well those were supposed to be for the now canceled floyd tribute on a wing yep but that can't cancel, so I guess we're gonna have to find another excuse to do. Couple guess we're of just gonna have to escape rings. to the. Damn it! Can't go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So next is morphing. This effect is completely disorganized and spontaneous in both its rhythm and its direction. There's breathing. Uh, this effects make objects and scenery breathe quite literally. Like this is a real. In out. Yeah, and this is a real common one with people, especially with acid, is breathing walls and shit like that. Mm -hmm. And I, I've seen it, but it is a real common one reported. So yes, in everything. Um, there's also melting. Pretty sure you can figure that one out. Where things melt, walls, uh, yes, faces. Now, now again, at high doses of uh, psilocybin, I have not seen. Uh, and by the way, we keep raping that word too. It's psilocybe. What? It's not psilocybe, by the way. It's psilocybe. Oh, wow. Remember how we were making fun of Alcyon because he said psilocybe? Well, that's the way No, he said psilocybin. Okay. Well, anyway, it's psilocybe. So, uh, but I've not noticed the melting with any, even a high, high dose of mushrooms. I have seen it with acid. 
LSD, but not with the mushroom. Just so you know. I have not seen it with LSD or acid, but uh, I've well, I think only you have to be a little higher. Once. Yeah. Well. Okay. Um, there's droop. It could droop, wobble, and slowly lose the structural integrity. <laughs> Just had to throw that in. Flowing, there. flowing, shifting, rippling, or moving surfaces are a strong visual effect that seems to occur almost exclusively on textures. And it's really true. Like I've noticed, especially because I've always had the mushroom shits. So <laughs> I'll be sitting there staring. Like to create things in the bathroom. Well, I'll be staring at some pattern like on the like on the shower curtain. And it'll sit there and do that flowing action where it'll just like, and sometimes it'll just flow into itself. Uh, that's what was going on in the, in the park when I was looking up the branches. It was like a, it was like, the beginning of spring and all the branches were creating into each other. Like they just kept going. And I was just sitting there with my head up and watching it. <laughs> it was really cool. But that's when you thought that there was monsters behind us because my phone could see great and we couldn't. Yes. Yes. Well, there you that go. That would have been fucking scary though. We could see amazing through my camera and it was pitch black. We're also in a damn cemetery on five plus grams. So I see nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Well, High Lady Sativa gets bright idea that we're gonna go uh, cemetery surfing on mushrooms, and I I admit that put it me was into fun a, a different zone I've never been in for sure. And then we walked out into another world, and it was dead quiet, and it was scary. <laughs> and like you said, when you're doing that, turn on your phone and do the night vision mode, and see what the fuck you can see. It's creepy. That wasn't night vision. It wasn't. That it was, was just, just my camera. That's creepy. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Something for those podcasters that do those creepy shows you can do that shit. right <laughs> all right color shifting color shifting is common in lsd especially that is where you the reds like we talked about joked about earlier actually reds turn into blues and just yep. flip-flopping rainbow colors this can happen a lot on art and painting stuff like that depth perception distortions i have never had this problem but it can be as bad as where like you look at something that's 3D and it becomes 2D. <laughs> like you, like in your field of view, like look, I could be looking at you right now and you look 2D, like you're just a flat surface or vice versa where like I can look ahead and that wall looks closer than you. So you look way back and the wall would look way forward. Oh, that's creepy. So stuff like that can happen. Uh, and then again, tracers. We talked about tracers. Tracers are uh, incredibly common. Um, mm -hmm. I, I get them. It takes higher dosages for me on mushrooms to get tracers than it does say on, on LSD tracers come pretty quick for me on LSD, mm -hmm. but with mushrooms, it took like five, six, even at five and six grams, I wasn't even seeing them at the night with you. Right. So actually I'd say probably seven, seven plus grams, you know, then you well, okay. The time I told you just recent this on this episode where I said, I took the smoke the bowl yeah definitely saw definitely tracers saw oh my god i couldn't even focus okay those tracers can be transparent obviously translucent translucent which is basically got a little see-through little see-through on them. yep and then opaque where they actually have color to them and it's real hard to see through i was having the opaque ones on that particular trip that night or all-encompassing yeah well all up in your face that's what that means that means it's there that means you can almost touch it well, it says, so the person's visual field has become so sensitive to the creation of tracers that the entirety of it smudges and blurs into an all-encompassing tracer at the slightest movement of the eye. Okay, that's what I was having. It was there. That's how intense that bull was on that peak. It's all. Yeah, I... as I was moving around, my body was creating all these tracers as I was moving, and it was just this cloud of tracers. Yeah. It was just looking at you. All weird. <laughs> <laughs> Symmetrical texture repetition. 
that one I've never seen. The symmetrical texture repetition, it basically you'll see a pattern of, of some sort and then it will repeat itself across the whole thing. So you take out a piece of a pattern and you'll see it like if you're looking at say bark or, or a pattern like wood, like wood grain or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and it'll make some sort of pattern and you, you're apparently you'll pick out a section of that pattern and then it just repeats itself all over whatever you're looking at. Extremely intricate, extremely detailed. All of these things can be very detailed. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It's hard for me to know what you saw, but like when I built that whole spaceship or several spaceships in my mind, that one trip, when I was journeying inward, it was so detailed. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, like it's a lot like Star Wars. Like you look at Star Wars and you see like the yeah, picture. Yeah, so much detail. Oh, it's amazing. So scenery slicing. I don't know if I've ever experienced this. It's where in your field of view, it'll slice right down your field of view and it separates itself. Oh, no, never seen that, but that's fucking crazy. That'd be a little crazy. I've not been there with that. I imagine that's probably a higher dose LSD or ayahuasca, Mm -hmm. something like that, maybe DMT. This is, we'll see how long this takes. This will be the make or break part. So this is my favorite part. That's why I got it highlighted in red, by the way. (laughs) I can tell. So geometry. Geometry for me has been the funnest part of my trips, other than the fact that you go inwards and get to learn a lot about yourself and all kinds of shit like that. I like taking walks with you like we have, and I'll just be walking along and something will happen and I'll be like, oh yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Weird shit like that. But geometry is the funnest part. And that's why a lot of times I like pushing it to that seven gram mark or higher because of that geometry, which again, DMT. Geometry, though, can be described as the experience of a person's field of vision being partially or completely encompassed by fast-moving, kaleidoscopic, and indescribably complex geometric patterns, form constants, shapes, fractals, structures, and color. I get a lot of fractals, and they're really weird. Like, they'll just build themselves. Like, it'll be a certain pattern, and it'll just build itself right through. You know, it's really... Have you ever had that? No. You need to do seven grams. I have done seven grams. You need to do seven grams of something stronger. (laughs) Geometry never stands still at any point and remains extremely fast changing and self transforming in terms of its shape and style. Very true. During this process, the geometry naturally drifts laterally or radially across the field of view to create overlapping webs of many arising and decaying geometric patterns, all of which are visible within a single perceptual frame. For me, it looks two dimensional. There is no depth at that level of seven or eight grams. There's no, there's no depth to it, but Mm -hmm. it's amazing. The detail and colors like amazing. Mm -hmm. It's, you can't even describe it. And so there are basically eight different levels and these levels will actually really give a good description of how it is to be high as you take more and more and more. (laughs) Each one is increasingly complex, incomprehensible, but uh, these are the best ways we can explain it. Visual noise. Now, keep in mind, we're starting from low, low dose and working our way up here. We're not talking about how much the dose is because that's all subjective. Mm -hmm. Visual noise. This is the most basic level of geometry and can be experienced in a completely sober state. It can be described as visual noise or static combined with random light and dark red regions that can be seen under the eyelids. If you put pressure on your eyelids with your Mm -hmm. eyelids closed, that you can induce that. Yeah. The next one I'll take motion and color. This level is also easily attainable without hallucinogens and can be described as the appearance of unstructured regions of fleeting flashes and bouts of color. 
It's supposed to be. And bouts of color? Uh, of course, I've had those too. Partially defined geometry. At this level, complex, indescribable shapes and patterns begin to show themselves. However, the patterns can be described as strictly two-dimensional. Geometry at this level is fine, small, and zoomed out in size with a dark color palette that limits itself to only a few different shades such as blacks, reds, and dark purples. They are displayed in front of both the open and closed eye visual fields across a flat veil of geometry, but are significantly more detailed with the eyes closed or within dark environments. So that's how I've always tried to induce my geometry is just to lay down, close my eyes, turn the lights out. Mm -hmm. It's the best way to do it. And for the most part, that's what we've done until recently. That's why I don't think we're getting much geometry and stuff is because we're out. We're eyes. not getting any visuals because we're out and enjoying. Well, and eyes are open. We're not, we're in dark places like we're out at night, but we're not really in dark places. A lot of times there's street lights and stuff like that. Right. So we're really not in a, a place that's really going to start inducing a lot of these closed eye visuals. I, I have though had points in time where it didn't take much darkness though right. to, to induce those. What I want people to know is you can start this level here at about three, three and a half grams, mm -hmm. especially if you're lightweight. You can definitely start to get some basic color patterns, two-dimensional. Um, not too much geometry, just those you know patterns of color. Right. Fully defined geometry. This is a level where the detail in which the geometry displays itself becomes profoundly complex, but remains strictly two-dimensional. At this point, the geometry becomes large in size and extremely intricate in detail with a color palette that is limitless in its possibilities. They are displayed on both the open and closed eye visual field across a flat veil of geometry that floats directly in front of the eye, remaining significantly more detailed with the eyes closed or in dark environments. I think that that's where most of my happy good trips have been at right there mm -hmm. that is my happy level because it is it's still two-dimensional but it's intricate details ultra colors very bright full field of view so like when i close my eyes like every inch every like everything is something mm -hmm. and interesting enough i've had both geometry and actual characters like spaceships or I've had cartoon characters as, as closed eye visuals. Mm -hmm. So it's weird. I don't know why that's different or what triggers the different things, but it seems like it's di completely different to hallucinate like a cartoon character versus like this whole pattern geometry thing. Right. <laughs> Next level. Uh, Three-dimensional geometry. At level five, the geometry will become fully three-dimensional in its shape and position across the visual field. This adds a new layer of visual complexity and leaves them sprawled out across the surfaces, walls, and objects and furniture of one's environment instead of displaying themselves across a basic and flat veil in front of one's visual field. Three-dimensional, I've never been this far. You know, at level five, I'd imagine this is seven plus grams for most people. Uh, and definitely two, three, four hits of acid. I, uh, and again, we get back to DMT. This is probably your third hit on a cartridge mm -hmm. or a really, really, really good hit of some right. regular crystallized DMT. I don't, it's really hard to get this far with mushrooms though. I mean, I would start to get a little, I don't know if I was to open my eyes and like the desk turned into a bunch of ge geometry. I, <laughs> It's like DMT, you know, it lasts, what, 10 minutes. 
15, mm-hmm. 12, 10, 12, 13, 14, 15 minutes. That's cool. But 16, six 17, hours. 18, 19, 20. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Partially overriding visual perception. At this point, the geometry has become so intense, vivid, and bright that it has begun to block out and replace the external world. This could get intense. At, this is level six. At level six, the environment begins to be replaced by geometry, of course, with objects and scenery transforming into sprawling masses of geometry or simply being blocked out and covered by them in a manner that impairs the use of one's normal vision. Wow. So, yeah, this is getting to the point of even if you've worked through some shit. <laughs> right. You might get you might be getting a little little overstimulated. That's so funny. This leads right into fully overriding visual perception. As the geometry continues to become more intense, vivid and bright, it now completely blocks out and replaces the external world as one's senses of normal sight becomes completely impaired. This creates the sensation that one is no longer within the external environment, but has broken through into another reality. Yes. And that is Bad shit crazy. I don't think it's bad shit crazy, but it could be at that point. No, for that's some where people. if yeah. somebody is yes. going to lose it, this is where they're going to lose it is I where it starts taking over their reality. The train is derailing here. So if person doesn't know that they're schizophrenic, this is the point that they're going to find out that they're schizophrenic and most likely may not come back from it. And that's where people get to be, you know, acid people that are just permanently fried. Yeah. And, and that's true. And it um, can happen. That's, that has happened. And we're not talking about mushrooms. We're talking about that, like acid, like somebody that has yes. opened up a mind's eye that they cannot close anymore. Well, and I think there's different ways to do that. I think you can be, someone can be prone to it mm-hmm. or, you know, so they shouldn't be doing it, but I also think you can do it too much. Yeah. I mean, I think like you're talking about, you can have, you know, you can do hundred hits of acid in a couple years. Sure, but you're probably going to be a little bit wonked afterwards. Different. <laughs> I'm not saying that's true either. I've seen and talked to people that have done a lot of acid. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people still alive today that did a lot of acid, yeah. especially in the 60s and 70s, and they are fine. I'm not so saying that. I would, yeah. I, well, I just want people to know that too, that, that as much as you can fuck yourself up on it, there are a lot of people that haven't. Right. That all goes back to your research. Yeah. Now, when they say broke through, there's two things to that. When he broke through here is, is there is nothing else but geometry. That's it. There is no table over there. There's no door. There's no outside anymore. You're, this, is, I think, is more like DMT, where you're in that bubble, mm-hmm. as they say, and everything that you look at in that bubble is not reality. But I don't know that you have reached, this might be for some people where they would also say ego death, Mm -hmm. but I don't think you're there that you're there yet. I really don't. Yeah. So the next, this now we're, that was level seven. We're now at the highest levels, level eight A and level eight B. I'll take the eight A. This one, I think, is where you be, have ego death, real ego death for a psychedelic. I'll tell you why. It says, once the geometry reaches its eighth and final level, there is not one singular pinnacle of visual geometry, but two. It seems that depending on subtle environmental factors and the substance consumed, geometry is capable of forking off into two separate versions of its highest possible level. 
This means that level eight geometry will have to be separated into two distinct categories of equal intensity. These are known as levels 8A and 8B. Once visual geometry reaches level 8A or 8B, it begins to become structured and organized in a way that presents genuine information to the person experiencing it far beyond the preceding seven levels. So this is where people are actually starting to quote unquote, get lessons from the universe. This happens through the experience of innately understood geometric representations that feel as though they depict specific concepts and neurological components that exist within the brain. At this point, concepts can be seen as not just embedded within one's closed or open eye visual field, but simultaneously felt through the indescribably complex physical and cognitive sensations. So at this point, you are not only fully, fully engulfed in your hallucinations, but now you are understanding information that is within those geometry patterns and colors. And now you're also being triggered with cognitive and physical sensations. Mm -hmm. So not just the hallucinations. Now this is like 4D. <laughs> this, this is like being in the movie theater and you get splashed with water. Right. Because you're not only, like I said, you got the visual going full tilt, 100,000 miles an hour, light speed. But now you got the, the water being thrown on you, so to speak, yep. and the wind in all your in hair. Because <laughs> your body and your senses are all getting exploited. Mm -hmm. 8A, exposure to entirety of neurological structure. The experience of level 8A can be described as a feeling of being exposed to an infinite mass of geometry comprised entirely of innately readable geometric representations, which simultaneously convey every single internally stored concept memory, and neurological structure stored within the subconscious mind all at once. This results in a profound and overwhelming sensation which is consistently interpreted by people who undergo it as experiencing the entirety of existence, everything, the universe, all that there ever was, and all that there will ever be in a single instant. This experience is not just perceived as visual geometric data, but also physically felt in an incomprehensible level of detail throughout every point across itself as complex cognitive and tactile sensations. So, I mean, like I said, you're getting brain fucked and you're getting it body. I mean, I don't know mm -hmm. what those sensations are, but apparently it adds to the fact that it seems like you're learning some crazy shit. These sensations convey an equal amount of innately understandable information as that which is experienced through one sense of vision and can occur simultaneously alongside of it. At the lower side of level A, this effect is something that fluctuates wildly and remains neither constant nor consistent in its intensity. Instead, it is temporarily triggered by the experience of a concept. For example, if somebody were to say the word internet, say, to a person who is currently undergoing this state, they would see the mind's concept of the internet immediately manifested in a geometric form amidst the very center of their visual field. Are you with me? Mm -hmm. This form quickly branches out from itself in a fashion similar to an effable spider diagram, if that makes sense. It expands to envelop the concepts which one associates with the internet and then branches out again to include the concepts one associates with those before repeating the process of branching out further and further to represent the concepts associated with this ad infinitum, 
Within two to three seconds, this exponentially expands within a sudden perceptual flash to include every single internally stored concept within the subconscious memory banks of one's mind simultaneously. Once this occurs, the sensory overload temporarily disconnects one from their external environment and results in simultaneously ego death before restacking them back into reality until something triggers this process again, usually immediately. The effect snaps triggers in and out of the reality repeatedly and the process is triggered continuously. It's worth noting, however, that at this level it can to a certain extent be held at bay through continuous physical movement. This is because movement stops the process from branching out into everything by not giving the effect the time it needs to lock onto a concept. To break that down, you are basically so high and so lost in this that this is where, quote unquote, the ego death that people search for occurs at. Now, I've looked into this scientifically speaking, what they've shown on EKGs is that when you hit this level, you actually start losing your short term memory. Mm-hmm. to the point of zero short-term memory. And I'm not talking like just what happened five minutes ago or two days ago. I'm talking most of your memory, except for real, real, real long-term. So that might be that ego death, is that you are separating yourself from yourself just from the mere fact that you have no memory of mm-hmm. yourself at this point in time. So with no immediate memory of yourself today, yesterday, a month ago, a year ago, there is no you. You might remember things of when you're a kid or flashbacks of like when you're real young, but that's the best you're going to get. So there is really no identity there only because of lack of available memories Right. when you're at level 8A. Yeah. So I, I offer that only because there's two sides to that. Psychonauts will say, yeah, it's ego death and you're separating, becoming one. And that's where you done the magic that you can do with psychedelics. And then you got science saying, okay, well, that ego death is because of this complete detachment of your memory, essentially, right. which would cause ego death, uh, which psychologically is who speaking. Is you are in this day and age, yeah. So <laughs> I, I didn't want to get too complicated. I know it did. But like I said, you're essentially just ego deathing it because you're so. And it did mention here that constant movement can keep that from happening. And I think that goes all the way back down the dosage um, chart to the fact that at any level, if you're getting overwhelmed, movement, turning on a light, uh, turning the TV on, playing a game, taking a walk, Mm -hmm. uh, just doing something, getting active, getting your brain on something else will will shut that stuff down. Mm -hmm. And you can see even here at the highest, highest levels, you can still essentially shut it down. Now here, it sounds like you got to be in constant movement to keep from slipping into that cycle of that ego death. So I, this is, it's really intense people. I, these are why they call people psychonauts that go there. And this is probably why a lot of people don't come back the same. Right. As dosage is increased, the process becomes easier and easier to trigger while extending in its length and duration. This eventually results in a stable state of complete disconnection from the external environment alongside of sustained ego death and a lasting sense of experiencing the entirety of one's neurological structure. So why don't you hit up 8B and let's wrap this up. Uh, Exposure to inner mechanics of human consciousness. The experience of level 8B can be described as the feeling of being exposed to a mass of geometry comprised entirely of innately readable geometric representations which feel as if they convey the organization, structure, framework, and inner mechanics of the underlying programming behind all conscious 
and subconscious neurological processes. This effect is consistently interpreted by those who undergo the experience as perceiving the inner workings of either the universe, consciousness, or reality. At the lower end of level 8B geometry, the experience manifests itself as becoming and being able to physically feel and visually perceive the organization and structure of the underlying programming behind one's current conscious thought stream. This is presented to trigger in the form of a fast-moving and infinite web or network that contains innately understood and thought stream relevant geometric representations of specific and abstract concepts embedded to each and every one of the connecting points across itself. The ever-shifting network follows the pace and rhythm of one's internal dialogue perfectly. This creates and manifests new connections in a way that is both physically felt through a powerful sensation and seen embedded within one's visual field every time any piece of new insight or knowledge is gained. Do you think your thoughts are just running amok at this point? Like, are they just like... I have no idea. I don't either. No idea. I've <laughs> never even gotten close to this. <laughs> I don't know if I could. Uh, I, and I don't know what kind of dosage you'd... I would imagine that there's no way you couldn't come out of something like this completely different. Right. If not a little kooky. <laughs> yeah, exactly. One thing is, is apparently there's such a revelation here because in all this geometry... What this all this technical jargon is getting to is that through all this hallucination, you're seeing this geometry that's so innately detailed that you're seeing it as it's like information as in like you know ones and zeros like everything on a computer digitally all the information stored as ones and zeros mm -hmm. i think people kind of see that at that state the geometry that way they're like ones and zeros mm -hmm. it's like all of reality's information is wrapped up in this geometric code that's being presented to you at light speed right <laughs> if that makes any sense <laughs> Uh, and I don't want to get too much deeper into it. Level 8B seems to be capable of bestowing specific pieces of information, not just large chunks of general information about the nature of reality and human consciousness. It says these specific pieces of information are always immediately felt and understood to be a profound unveiling of an undeniable truth at the time. And I think this goes across the board. Anytime you get this revelation from any trip that you have, and I've had a few of them, Afterwards, these, you know, revelations are often found to be ineffable due to the limitations of either human English, so it's hard to describe, or simply nonsensical due to the disorientation of the accompanying cognitive effects. So a lot of times you'll come out of this stuff and what you thought you understood during the trip doesn't make sense after you're not tripping, mm -hmm. which makes it even more difficult to understand. Right. That's why I think journaling, and we talked about this with Jason, journaling is good if you're going to intently go into these things me and you can download because we both go through it and then we can talk about it the next day right a lot of people aren't doing it with their partner all the time and so yeah. journaling is good absolutely um, occasionally however genuine lessons or coherent messages are innately interpreted through the experience of becoming and descending down into the subconscious faculties of the brain and i know this to be true it happens it's extremely important to note, however, that the scientific validity of these lessons are very uncertain and should never be immediately accepted as fact without an extremely thorough and sober analysis. Don't go jump out of a tree naked because the mushrooms told you so. It's not a good idea. <laughs> they were probably they were probably wanting to teach you something different. <laughs> probably. <laughs> All right. That's we, we did that pretty good. That's part one. 
that gives you an idea of the basics of the experiences, Mm -hmm. just looking at it uh, as a concept of a psychedelic experience, the the things that you're going to see and may feel. One thing I got to mention on that email answering that question is that I don't think you can really work through your shit and then take mushrooms and have a good trip, (laughs) which I think was kind of the question of that email. I, I think that really what what happens is you just need to be as mentally good as you can. Yes, be. prep prep the best you can. Yes, you know don't spend months in counseling so you can take a mushroom trip. Nobody nobody is perfect, <laughs> but I, I tell you what, just don't go through it at a very very vulnerable time. That's all I right. say. Yes, just don't just, be over vulnerable. If you're exactly. gonna break down in real life, you probably shouldn't go home and take mushrooms. Yes. Yes. Or if you should break down in real life, then you probably shouldn't go home and take mushrooms. Right. But to be able to work through things to guarantee, or at least, you know, the best you can do is, is like you said, be prepared the best you can and then do it. And if, if, and inevitably things will crop up, then that's your chance to make the medicine work for you. That is your chance to take that opportunity. Obviously, if you're to the point where you're trusting the mushrooms to begin with, which you should, then you're going Trust at it's it where it takes you. well yeah exactly you're going where it's taking you mm-hmm. so follow along and that'll be the best path you can have grab its hand and just go i'll tell you this every Unless trip social distancing yeah. and then make sure you're at a six foot radius i'll tell you this that might be the part about psychedelics that people chase is that every experience is different and you will have good experiences and you'll have less than good experiences i think they're all good but some people may describe them as less than good, but they're all different. And you're going to have fantastic ones that you'll want to have again, mm-hmm. but you just can't guarantee it. No, you just can't say I'm going to have that one again there. I've had three or four that were completely different. I wish I could have them again. Kidding me. I would give anything to be able to build that insane asylum again. That was fun. I so, had an insane asylum by the sea. And by the way, my sea was a glow stick. Right. That moved back and forth. Very cool. If you just, you're playing the odds you're going to have some questionable things and happen in terms of how they affect you and you're also going to have a lot of positive things i've had some really intense visions i've had like the river of life flowing into me mm-hmm. uh, you know and i've just crazy stuff so just because it's profound and intense doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be overwhelming as well Right. A lot of that stuff just gets back to letting go because if you let go, it allows you to enjoy that experience. Mm-hmm. Like on eight, seven and a half, eight grams and I'm tripping on the geometry, I could let that overwhelm me. But instead it's like sitting back in the bleachers with your feet kicked back and just enjoying the damn light show. Right. That's the thing. And it seems like it's easy to do, but. You mean Pink Floyd concert? Yeah. So I just want to see one. All right, people, we appreciate it. I hope that gave you a good opening start. Now in part two, this is where we're going to get a little more in depth about something cool. We're going to start by talking about hallucinatory, just the states of them. And uh, we're going to talk about things like, uh, you know, like entities, people, um, especially with DMT, have, uh, you know, conversations with entities uh a a lot of common ones are entities will be communicating with you and then will send you off on a journey in the trip that's been a common one 
Uh, I've actually had like Joel, I think told me that he had that experience where he went into a, D- a DMT trip, I think it was. And he said that he was standing there in front of a train and the entities told him, you know, Hey, here's your ride ready to go. You can jump on if you want. It's going to take you places. And he said he didn't jump on and they said, okay, that's fine too. And then he came out of it and he said that was one of the last times he, that's he ever funny. did. So, uh, we'll talk about that. So in part two, we're going to get into some really cool stuff. Uh, I think some of the coolest stuff. So I hope you enjoy it. I hope that was a good start. We hope you enjoy your week too. This COVID has been quite the game changer for everybody. Yeah. I'm hearing about it a lot. So less, it seems like, yeah, it seems like a lot of these, you know, places are, um, just remote now, like everything TV, mm-hmm. it's all like on zoom. So, uh, it seems like that's the way to go. I think this is the start of something different. Like it seems like the world is heading into more indoor living. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I could see that. We appreciate you all. Oregon love. Oregon love. Stay rooted. I'm higher peaks. And you've just listened to the dirt show. If you like this episode, please like, share, comment, and go to organrooted.com where you can subscribe to us on your favorite platform like iTunes, Pandora, or Spotify. Also check us out on our YouTube for videos and IG, Facebook, and Twitter for all our updates. Thank you for listening.